0: Welcome back to the Agorist Attorney Podcast, where I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer, and we talk about topics from the perspective of a freedom-minded attorney. I am Patricia, a.k.a. Patty, a.k.a. the Agorist Attorney, and today is Thursday, March 16th, 2023, and this is episode number seven. That's right, everybody. I actually got the episode right this time. Today, you're getting a rant episode. Why? Why? Because someone in one of the telegram groups I help admin said the word sovereign lawyer. Well, what they actually did was ask for a referral to a sovereignty lawyer to help release contracts with the corporation of the U.S. government. Well, you might ask yourself, self, what in the hell is a sovereignty lawyer? Well, rest assured, they are not a thing. But since not everyone here has been listening to my rants since day one, pull up something to sit on and let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, maybe as early as 1857, there was a conspiracy theory. What was it? I don't want to make this episode three hours long, so that's a story for another time, but this is not new. Every few years or decades, this mythology that originated from an old conspiracy theory gains popularity again. So what is it? Well, the contemporary sovereign belief system is based on this decades old conspiracy theory, and they believe that the American government that was set up by our founding fathers and other drafters under this common law legal system that we all learn in high school or should have learned in high school was secretly replaced without anybody knowing it. This is like the extreme version of that great tune from Hamilton, The Room Where It Happens. Okay, so they think this replacement government swapped common law for admiralty law, which is the law of the sea and international commerce and, like, think boats. Okay, literally maritime law. So some sovereigns believe that this change occurred during the Civil War. Others blame some events that happened in 1933 when the U.S. abandoned the gold standard. Um, either way, they stake their whole lives, everything they own, sometimes the rights to their children, on the idea that U.S. judges, lawyers, paralegals, notaries, anybody with a license, really, um, they stake their lives on the fact that they think that all these people are foreign agents and they know about this hidden government takeover, but um, you know, they argue against it, they try and hide it, Um, denying these sovereigns court motions and filings because they have some treasonous loyalty to the crown or some kind of hidden evil government force. Okay, not arguing that there's not some bad shit going on in the judicial system, but it's not this. So that's another episode. Um, Remind me and I'll do it. Anyway, um, most of the sovereign citizens I have run across um, base their actions and their theories and their philosophies on a totally, like, mythical um piece of u.s history mythology that kind of goes like this it says since 1933 the u.s dollar has been backed not by gold but by the full faith and credit of the u.s government really what happened was um president roosevelt ended private ownership of gold in large amounts in 1933 i mean you can read about that um governments could still sell gold for for dollars to the u.s treasury Um, But that practice actually was eventually ended by President Nixon in 1971. So they got their timeline wrong. Uh, Anyway, according to these, you know, fake judges and sovereign citizens, the government has now, instead of, you know, gold, they're pledging its people, its humans, its citizens as collateral, collateral by selling their future earning capabilities to foreign investors, allegedly enslaving all Americans at birth. Uh, The claim is that the sale takes place at birth, and when a baby is born here in the United States of America, there's a birth certificate issued, right? And the hospital usually says, hey, apply for a social security number. Um, You don't have to do this. It's optional. Um, There's another episode in there probably about why you probably want to just go ahead and do it um, and what you need to do in the alternative if you don't. But the sovereign theory is that the government uses that birth certificate to set up this corporate trust in the baby's name, right? A secret treasury account, which it funds with amounts ranging anywhere from 20 million down to 600 million down to, I've seen 50,000. It's all made up numbers, depending on the variant of the, uh, the belief system and, and who you're getting. So by setting up this treasury direct account, They claim that every newborn's rights are split between those held by the baby, the actual human, and those assigned to this corporate shell account, right? So sovereign citizens believe that the evidence for their theory is found on the actual birth certificate. Since most certificates use all capital letters, right? In fact, a lot of court pleadings use all capital letters. It's a formatting convention. It really doesn't mean anything, but anyway, they use all capital letters to spell out the name Um, And so they say that, oh, the capitalized name, you know, John Smith or whatever is actually the name of the corporate shell identity. And they call it a straw man, which is goofy because that's not what that means. But anyway, so they, oh, well, John Smith is the baby's like real name. As a child grows older, most of the documents that are legal related to that, you know, the kid or the person will utilize, oh, it uses capital letters. And so that means like The driver's license, the marriage license, college registration, high school, um, like high school diploma records, all that stuff, um, everything down to like your power bill. And they include correspondence from the IRS, right? Oh, well that all only pertains to and applies to this corporate shell identity, not the real human being that exists off the page, right? So (laughs) it gets better um to to separate from this corporation that they've been you know roped into unwittingly as a baby and their parents signed on for sovereign citizens will use these like crazy motions in court and convoluted crazy steps and of course they always get the instruction manual from other sovereign citizens that not always but frequently charge a fee you know to get the secrets of this process um and that's that's where they get it and it i've seen stuff from like filing crazy documentation with the Secretary of State's office, like filing a declaration. I've seen motions filed in random courts. I've seen um, signing it in their blood or putting a thumbprint on it. And then um, like having their new identity published in the newspaper. Um, It's there's there's as many steps to this as you could possibly make up in a fairy tale because everybody puts their own twist on it. Um, There's a lot of folks out there selling this to make a dollar, and there's a lot of folks out there selling this, I believe, and I don't know if I'm going to have time to talk about this today, but um, I really believe that this is, in part, or maybe in large part, being continued by people who have either intentionally or unintentionally, they're just chaos agents. They just want to get into communities that are looking for, like, establishing an independent community. Um, outside of, you know, very heavy-handed government or other um, you know, influence, you know, intentional communities, I really believe these people are in here just to create chaos. So that's my theory. I have more to back this, but in any event, they file all this stuff and they they sound like they're legal documents and they sound conv- just convincing enough to fake people out who don't have any experience dealing with legal documents, haven't sat down and read their codes, maybe haven't sat down and read their constitution or the cases in a really long time or ever. Um, and they sound just professional enough to to fake out a lot of people. And this has been going on for decades and they, you know, change the process and they package it differently. And they'll say, oh, well, I won this and we won this. And and the only wins that I've ever seen were either they were committing fraud with forged documents. The other category is what I call judicial exhaustion, where, like, occasionally our courts really do get overloaded and they just say F it and dismiss a case. It happens. It's not unheard of. Um, I don't consider that a win. So I've had a challenge out there for a really long time. I want to say two years, maybe more. And I basically said, somebody bring me a published judicial opinion where somebody used any of these legal theories, argued them in court, and won on the merits of the theory. That doesn't mean argued it and won. That means argued it and won on the merits of that theory. So that doesn't mean if you, you know, if you went into a case and you won, And you use that theory, but you would have won anyway, even if you had put on a purple unicorn suit and done a tap dance for the judge. Okay, that doesn't count. If you would have won or had your case dismissed, regardless of what you said when you got up there, that doesn't count. Um, I want to see a win on the merits. And I've never seen a win on the merits Um, I've had a couple people try and send me stuff and they said oh well this is pending ultimately it gets dismissed or they lose and they say oh well they didn't do it right it's always a cop out right so that's kind of the base outline of what they believe it's all kinds of stuff it's like anybody with a professional license in the legal area is an agent of the crown um you'll see ideas about like um board members and governmental officials being bonded. Um, by and large, they're not. There are some specific government positions that do require a bond, but guess what? You can't make a claim on it. Um, you know, you will see all kinds of crazy stuff related to this, but that, that's kind of the base theory. So I had a person today um, in this group who, who really did say, um, hey, I, I need a connection to a sovereignty lawyer uh, to help release contract with the corp corporation of the U.S. government. I just wanted to insert a note here on maritime law since I brought that up and I thought of it later. So a lot of the sovereign citizens and a lot of the movement, movement says, oh, maritime law applies, oh, there's gold fringe on the flag, so this is maritime law. I don't think they know what they're signing on for. Go out there and Google maritime law or maritime law legal procedure. You generally don't have a right to a jury trial in admiralty cases, especially when it's U.S. federal court. Um, it's it's a it's a law unto itself. Um, in fact, even a state court hearing a maritime case is gonna apply maritime law, even if the law conflicts with the law of the state. So I don't actually think they know what they are biting off here with all of this maritime law and U.C. like U.C.C. stuff, which which governs the sale of goods, which humans aren't goods. That's kind of a weird argument. Um, The UCC doesn't apply to you, and nobody ever said that it did. So um, I did want to bring that up because there is a lot of maritime stuff and maritime claims and flavor and arguments that you'll see in the sovereign citizen world, and I would just encourage you to go just Google maritime legal procedure and see what pops up because I don't think it's a court that any of us as U.S. citizens really want to be in. So what are they doing? Um, You'll see a lot of talk about common law court and national assembly and common law lawyer and common law sheriff and all this stuff. So these guys are actually taking chunks of like old misinterpreted English law, like from England, um, texts out of the constitution. I've seen citations of the Federalist and anti-Federalist papers. I've seen Bible verses snuck in there. I have seen crazy adherents To quotes and definitions out of Black's Law Dictionary, which is quite literally just a dictionary with legal words. Um, It's not legally binding. Black's Law Dictionary is a law dictionary. (laughs) It's a place that law students go to read definitions. It's, you don't cite it in motions. It's not binding. So, um, you know, they form these groups and they're using this like weird patchwork of like, codes and texts and old cases and cases from other countries and the Bible. Um, And they think that these like new governments are gonna be put to use once they somehow bring the current government to failure or it will failure, it will failure, it will fail. Um, They think that the US court system is illegitimate. Now look, again, I said this earlier, not saying there isn't some messed up stuff happening in the justice system. However, we do have a constitution. We do have a country based on common law. the country's laws are interpreted by the courts. Wrong as they may get it sometimes, that is our system. So, you know, maybe they think it's illegitimate and it gone it, you know, it's gone sideways at different points in history. They might not be wrong on that very fine point, but this is not the way you argue against it. You don't invent a fairy tale to to bring something down. But in any event, these like common law courts they take and they file stuff against like the state and federal government. And um, they file things against the state and federal government and local individuals. Usually it's government officials or elected officials. Um, And they file them in their common law courts, which are not courts. Um, Sorry, it's a group of people calling themselves a court. Um, Your high school mock trial isn't a binding court either. Um, You can't just make up a court. Because how are you going to enforce it? Anyway, um, you know, they get they get the outcome they want and they get like warrants and fake indictments and, you know, fake commercial liens and and judgments and all this crazy stuff. And they're like, yeah, I have a valid lien against your house. And then they'll even take it a step further and file it with the actual secretary of state secretary of state. Or your actual county recorder so then when you go try and get a a loan or sell your house there's like a fake lien on your house and you have to unwind that Um, and that becomes kind of their their weapon of choice which you know is kind of referred to as paper terrorism and the reason why it pisses me off is because they'll get like a traffic citation right where it's like look it's probably nonsense maybe it's not nonsense but we all go to traffic court or hire somebody to go to traffic court for you. Pay your fine, do your traffic school, be done with it. No, these guys will file hundreds of pages, dozens of motions and just clog a court up and they'll do it in civil court too. And they will clog the court up. They will just overburden the clerk. They will drive everybody crazy. The problem is, is that while they're taking up this time, they're taking. They're also taking up time from people who are legitimately waiting in line to have their cases heard. So say you have like a landowner and squatters. You know, say they were renting, they stopped paying their rent. It's like a single landowner, a, a, a single person, not a big corporation, and that's like how they're making money and paying their own rent. And if they don't get rent from their tenants, then they're going to lose the property. Okay, so they're losing money. They still have to obviously pay... The mortgage and the property taxes and the homeowners insurance and all that stuff so they go to the county and they say hey i need to get these people out they have to go through a court process it can be long it can be obnoxious well say they're five minutes from getting their day in court and you have a passel of corporate uh, sovereign citizens filing you know hundreds of pages all these motions well they're clogging up the court so guess what happens you know, there's only so many hours in the day. Judges aren't gonna suddenly start working 24 hours a day because these common law folk, you know, decided to file a bunch of motions. So what happens is people who are really kind of waiting on their court order to move on with their lives get pushed aside. And it has a very, very real impact on people who have done nothing wrong. They're they're just trying to like reclaim their own property. Um, I'm talking about civil court, right? so it it aggravates me because they act like they're freedom fighters and they're just trying to do what's right it's like no you're actually impacting and hurting individuals and it's it's not a good look um find it find a better way to fight for freedom one of the thing that things that is so frustrating about this sovereign citizen thing is that at its core we're talking about people you know the people who buy into this they're people, they're US citizens who distrust the federal government or any government and they're trying to limit its power or step out of its power. And the frustrating thing is that they're not wrong. Um, they're not wrong that there has been you know, an explosive growth in the US government's control and regulation of its citizens since day one. Um, a great example that I wanna say that it was discussed on the survival podcast years and years ago um, is states that have such restrictive laws on the books to where it becomes actually illegal to home can jams and jellies and sell them to your neighbors. Um, to the extent that states like California have had to go re-legalize things that have always been legal. So California has books, uh, laws on the books that allow you to can jams and jellies in your kitchen and, and sell them for a profit. That's just one example. Um, there is there is no arguing that the government isn't currently in a significant cycle of overreach i frequently use the example of the state of washington and the u.s government during covid Um, they closed the national forest guys they actually sent out notices and put up signs and closed the mountains and said i'm sorry the outdoors is closed now I understand if you are not going to send your rangers out into crowded guest areas, or um, make them lead tours, or do anything like that in the middle of hey, here's a new virus, we don't really know what it does. That's that's fine if you're like hey, the ranger station's not going to be open, cool. But you don't turn to you know the citizens that pay the money for the upkeep for the public lands and say mm, the forest is closed. So. You know, the the base theory that our government is currently vastly overreaching what they should be worried about right now isn't wrong. And I think that's why so many of us get so frustrated because they're taking something that's a very real fight that a lot of us in the agorist community, in the voluntarist community, even like if you step back from that, like mainstream political parties, like you know, libertarians that don't always do things right either but there's a lot of people that think there should be laws taken off the books not added to the books right so we get really frustrated when we see people starting with that kernel um you know that that first drop of hey i feel like i should be more free than i actually am but then kind of perverting it into something that's going to do nothing but one hurt the people that buy it hook line and sinker And two, hurt the people who are legitimately trying to fight for less laws and less governmental authority. So what I'm trying not to do is turn into a law review article coming out of a university. What I did find is a really great article published out of the University of Montana in 2019 that if I was given, you know, time off and the motivation to do so, it's kind of similar to what I would probably write. And it gives a really good description of the basis of the sovereign citizen movement's um, origins, the laws that they rely on, and it makes a really good point. So to rebut these sovereign citizen claims, you have to establish where the constitutional rights actually do come from, versus where the sovereign citizens are claiming they come from. You know, you have, to, you have to figure out who decides what statutes and what the Constitution means, what documents and sources have binding legal effect. I can give you a hint. It's not Black's Law Dictionary. Um, so some of this is kind of obvious to, you know, anybody who's ever dealt with codes, laws, constitutions, you know, whatever. Anybody who's, who's messed around in the American legal system kind of is going to have a feel for this. But the problem is, is that most people... Have never had to work inside the American legal system. They've never had to had to really cite the Constitution in a case. They've never spent you know ten hours wandering around a law library trying to find the case that's the most relevant and good law to cite to you know to further your case. We spent full time job right full th- your full time job for three straight years at a law school studying this stuff. It's not a trivial amount of time and then most of us go on to pass the bar and you know eat sleep and breathe this for years and years it is another language and it changes you know your logic cycles become comfortable dealing with the way the US law system works i am currently working on something in canada and it's just different enough to where i have to sit back and read and say hmm okay it's a little bit different here let's read so i'm not faulting anybody for reading this sovereign citizen stuff and going, Wow, I have really good reasons to not trust the federal government. I have great reasons to not trust my state government in a lot of locations. We have hundreds of examples of corrupt political institutions, governmental institutions. I mean, just look at what goes on in law enforcement. We have good reason to mistrust our government, right? We didn't. And then they look at this and go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's the easy button. It's it's a cheat code for, for the government, and it's not. Anything that's easy is, is probably not correct. Um, but I'm not faulting anybody for falling for it. Um, the problem is, to rebut this, we have to break down the fundamentals of sovereign citizen theory, and re- actual US legal theory, before we can make any headway. And most of the time, people don't want to listen to the stuff that we learned, you know, our junior, senior year in high school in our civics and U.S. history and U.S. government classes. So remember that the sovereign citizens are usually citing the U.S. Constitution, but they're also bringing in maritime law. They're bringing in the UCC, which is the Uniform Commercial Code. They're bringing in the Magna Carta. They're bringing in the Articles of Confederation. They're bringing in black's law dictionary um, which is no different than citing merriam-webster as far as the law is concerned so all these things sound really really authoritative and really you know scholarly and really correct but that these things are not the basis for your constitutional rights that's not where your rights well let me just rephrase that rights don't come from the constitution rights don't come from any document rights are rights are rights are rights and whether those are written down or not they're your rights So I don't want anybody to misunderstand me because one of the reasons I was so furious with the Dobbs decision is that right up top, the Supreme Court said something along the lines of something, something, something constitutionally granted rights. And I just about lost it because regardless of your stance on the uh, facts of that case and the content of the laws in that case, um, I think probably anybody listening to this (laughs) already knows that rights are protected by our constitution and laws from infringement by the government, but rights were not created by the, converse, con, by the conversation. Rights were not created by the conversation. They're also not created by the constitution. They're not granted by the constitution. Rights are rights, period. Now, we can argue what rights are, I think. There are some rights that we could probably go, eh, that's not a right. Um, However, I get really worried when people start talking about rights in terms of being granted by a document. Um, so let's kind of start that. Start with that. But anyway, the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court in the United States is the only legal body that can give the final interpretation of Constitution, of Constitutional law, okay? So this reliance on dictionaries and state court opinions, and oh my gosh, it's in all caps, and I signed it in blood, and here's my thumbprint, and look what the Magna Carta said, and here's what the Bible says. None none of this matters. Um, It matters, right, from a philosophical point of view, but it's not legally binding. It's not what protects your rights. It's not what says what a US citizen is. What defines a US citizen is the Constitution plus the current case law, and that's it, right? So like I said, I will provide a citation to this great paper that cites out to all of this stuff. If you need some light reading material before you're trying to go to sleep, or you're bored, or you're fighting with a sovereign citizen and need citations, um, I will completely put this in the show notes. But the bottom line is, you know, they, they lay real hard on the 14th Amendment, but you gotta remember the 14th Amendment citizenship clause uh, and the Privilege or Immunities Clause did not establish a second class of citizenship, period, for artificial persons by virtue of some contract with the federal government. Government, There is no contract to rescind. There is no fake ass money in the treasury for you to collect. You'd be able to find it. As weird and kind of creepy backroom deals that happen all the time in the government, you can certainly see what's being traded on the exchanges, right? Um, this, is, this is real money that can be audited. Um, Just the bottom line is that anybody born or naturalized in the US and then obviously non-citizens domiciled in the US are subject to United States jurisdiction here because you're physically here. If you don't want to be subject to US laws, you got to leave, okay? Even if you were born in some kingdom that we've never heard of, in some country that we've never seen before, if you come here, you're subject to the laws here. And that's really the bottom line. Are you physically here? Then you're subject to those laws. You can just opt out. That's not really a thing. And Congress has, unfortunately sometimes, the constitutional power power to criminalize behavior that falls within its enumerated legislative powers. Okay, so it's it's been statutorily granted to the federal courts to hear and decide federal, criminal, and civil cases. These courts can hear these cases. State courts can hear these cases. I will entertain your argument on some of the administrative courts. <laughs> that is a, That's a different thing, Um, and they do tend to overstep their authority, um, especially when it comes to professional licenses, Um, looking at you construction trades in California. Um, But when we're talking federal courts, when we're talking regularly organized state courts, um, this stuff is statutorily authorized, and they do have jurisdiction over you, and you can claim that you don't as long as you want, and you can scream it all the way to the other side of, the jail cell where you will sit <laughs> until you know essentially you serve out a shittier sentence than you would have if you had just learned the rules and use those rules to defend yourself as best you could preferably with a real good lawyer um, I don't like to see people hurt with misinformation I don't care if people want to believe stupid stuff I don't care it does not affect the temperature in the water of my pool that I don't have in the backyard because I have a small house um, But it doesn't affect the temperature of the water in my bathtub either. Um, If you're gonna go believe stupid mythological unicorn philosophies, that's cool. The thing that I don't like about this is that it really does prey on people who are in a real bad situation. Custody battles, I'm gonna lose my house. I owe a bunch of money. Um, My driver's license expired and I got arrested you know, while I was trying to get to work or get my kid or what, like it all starts out of a bad situation that people really do need help getting out of. That's, that's not a joke. That's not, you know, those are real situation and it sucks. And it makes me angry because look, lawyers already have a bad name. We already have enough people in our industry that do shady stuff that makes us all look bad. And I hate it. And this is like, It's like taking it to another level. It's taking the fact that there are indeed unethical, immoral lawyers. They're taking that fact and they're using it to push people away from either helping themselves, which I believe almost everybody is fully capable of doing, one, or hiring somebody or just going to the courthouse and freaking asking um, and getting somebody to help them in the way that will benefit them the most in the way that will help them the most and the way that's going to help them get to see their kid and the way that's going to get their driver's license back and the way that's going to keep them from losing their house okay you might not win but at least you gave it a run right if you walk into court and you're like i should be able to see my kid because i'm a sovereign citizen and i declare my authority based on for no the judge is going to go um, yeah, so I was gonna entertain some visitation rights, but you're a nutter, so you're getting nothing, right? Like, this theory has been around long enough to where it's been actually codified in tax code. If you show up at a tax hearing and, and offer these arguments, it's, it's an automatic $10,000 fine, essentially every time you say the word, okay? So they don't write these codes, you know, just for fun, right? Like, they're real humans. They don't want to deal with this stuff. And it's you're not going to win. So why would you not just go find the way that actually wins and go win? Fight against unjust laws, unconstitutional actions. Do those things. But don't throw yourself in jail just because you wanted to try out some dude's theory that you paid $30 for. Um, I mean, you're going to be the one that gets hurt. And then I'm going to be mad because you know, I actually work in the judicial system and I'm going to be having to sit around waiting for my stupid hearing date to happen because you buried the court in fake liens and paperwork and common law assembly warrants, right? Um, this actually harms people. This is This This is this is mythology you can believe in that hurts other people and does affect the temperature of the pool my water. Of the pool in my water. Does affect the temperature of the water in my pool. See, I get all worked up over this stuff. Um, so there's pool in my water you guys can give me a hard time about that one later. Um, this has been kind of a long episode and it's dense stuff and like I say I'm gonna I'm gonna post this 2019 University of Montana article but when you see me get fired up about this in telegram groups it's because I have seen people lose their homes. I have seen people go to jail. I have seen people lose visitation rights with their children because, They paid $30 for somebody's how to cheat handbook. So it's all great when it's philosophy and what if and maybe this is real, but who cares? I mean, Jack Spierko had a great episode on this too. He said, you know, look, even if you're right, say you're right about everything. If you're walking down a dark alley and four dudes in baseball bats approach you and say, give me your wallet, um, are you going to give them your wallet and live to fight another day? You're unarmed, by the way. Don't start with me. Uh, are you going to just give them your wallet and live to fight another day? Are you going to stand up and go, well, the 14th Amendment created a straw person and I need to reclaim... No, you're not. And the government is the four dudes with baseball bats. Um, that's the unfortunate reality right now. So, you know, just because you knew a dude who... I'm stealing this from Jack. Just because you knew a guy who did drugs under a bridge for 10 years and didn't get caught doesn't mean he wasn't doing something illegal, okay? Um, It means that the cops were busy, nobody saw, or nobody cared. So, you know, it's only a matter of time until you're the nail that gets hammered. I don't want to see that happen. So, better idea, actually learn judicial procedure, pick up a civil procedure text, literally read any one of the millions of self-help, self, I cannot talk today, self-help blogs out there that will darn near give you directions on how to fight your traffic ticket, on how to represent yourself in family court, on how to file your taxes correctly. Um, Did you know that if you forget, quote, forget, if you don't file your taxes and you owe money, um, there is no statute of limitations. If you file your taxes and you owe money, there's a 10-year collection period there, okay? If you just simply decide not to file them, they can get you forever. It's forever. Depends on jurisdiction. Standard lawyer disclaimer. Depends on circumstances. But there's stuff like that out there where you know, unless you're talking to a tax lawyer, and I am not a tax lawyer. Um, that is our Agrest tax attorney, and he's awesome. You should call him. Um, I hate that stuff. I'm a construction lawyer. But there's there's stuff out there that you're never gonna know unless you sit there and read the code. Which you know what? It probably would take you less time to read the whole damn code than it would to figure out all this sovereign citizen stuff and waste your time filing all this paper. Because let me tell you, as somebody who did nothing but litigation for the first eight years of her career, um, litigation sucks. Going to court sucks, it's time consuming, it's a ton of paperwork, and it's not fun. Um, it's fun to win, it's fun to argue about stuff in court, but the paperwork is awful. And if it has to do with something that's personal and something you care about, it's even more awful. So. What I don't wanna see is people wasting their time. What I don't wanna see is people getting hurt for no reason. Um, I wanna see people doing things that's going to actually help them to win and live better lives despite and in spite of the government, um, not by thinking that you as the you know literal needle in the haystack is gonna somehow unravel the government and come away with a bunch of millions of dollars just because you you know shook some 14th Amendment tree. Um, it's not gonna happen. And it's not going to happen for you because if Wesley Snipes couldn't do it, trust me, you don't have that kind of legal fun. So I am going to call it because this one has been long and very fact and law heavy and it's a lot. Um, If anybody has questions on this, you know where to find me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Telegram. I'm in all the survival podcast groups. I've got a Telegram channel. I mean, I'm easy to find. Um, So Please feel free to ask questions, have a discussion. Um, This has been kind of a a nerdily fun episode. Um, This has been Patricia, the agorist attorney, signing off. Make it a great weekend. Have a good one. Welcome back to the Agorist Attorney podcast where I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. And we talk about topics from the perspective of a freedom-minded attorney. I am Patricia, a.k.a. Patty, a.k.a. The Agorist Attorney, and today is March 17th, 2023, and this is episode number eight. I am starting this recording on the 17th, but it may be a few days until it's complete and published. We will just have to see. So last night I was thinking about that University of Montana article I love so much and talked about in the last episode. It's pretty close to what I would write if it were me, and so I'm actually going to steal scrambling of Food Forest Farms' idea, um, and that's Brian Norton, who you can find at foodforestfarms.com. Um, get his coffee. It's fantastic. Join the coffee club. Anyway, I'm stealing his idea from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and I'm just going to read this article to you. There might be some commentary in there for me, but I'm hoping that having this accessible in audio format makes it... So more folks will get this information and be able to wrap their arms around this, you know, quote, movement, this, quote, sovereign citizen movement or philosophy a little bit better. So let's get started. So I'm just going to jump right into this article. I found this Googling around about um, sovereign citizens and any legal articles on it. It It's published on August 1st, 2019 out of the Montana Law Review from Volume 80, Issue 2, Article 2, um, written by a guy named Caesar Kalinowski, um, and he appears to be a commercial litigator at a firm called Davis Wright Tremaine, which is a pretty you know well-known and large firm. So the article is called, A Legal Response to the Sovereign Citizen Movement, and I really liked it, so I'm just going to read it from the top. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. It may also prove costly. Introduction. In the In early 2016, armed anti-government protesters led by Amon Bundy occupied the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in Harney County, Oregon to challenge the federal government's control over public lands. There's a citation there, and um, there are a bunch of citations for everything in here. Um, a, correct, a correct legal review article like this will have a citation for everything they say. Um, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with why and how Amon Bundy occupied that building in Oregon. That's fine. Um, the, The base kind of argument here still stands. So, by February, federal and state law enforcement officers had arrested or killed all members of the group. Those arrested were later charged with a number of federal offenses. At trial, the defendants claimed that the United States did not have jurisdiction over the wildlife refuge. Despite a 1935 Supreme Court opinion holding otherwise, the defendants argue that the State of Oregon was the true owner of the land since its incorporation. By October, an Oregon jury acquitted Bundy and the others of federal conspiracy and weapons charges, a result many believe can be explained only as jury nullification. While some believe that the underlying basis for the group's claims have far-reaching implications for the meaning and foundation of the federal government's power, in reality, Groups like Bundy's simply misread, misconstrued, and misunderstand the United States Constitution. The defendant's assertions are not new. They are simply the most recent example of a pervasive movement involving unique views on the constitutionality of the United States jurisdiction and ability to punish or tax its citizens. While the various groups have differing names and ideologies, the vast majority in the United States can be classified as sovereign citizens. The FBI describes sovereign citizens as anti-government extremists who believe that even though they physically reside in this country, they are separate or sovereign from the United States. Evolving from a combination of four different movements, the tax protester movement, the posse comatitis, the patriot movement, and common law courts, The sovereign citizen movement began in the 1960s and gained adherence well into the 1990s. I'm pretty sure I say the name of that organization wrong every time I try and say it. It's posse something. Somebody correct me. Um, Moving on. Following the economic downturn of 2008, the movement saw a resurgence. In fact, despite no unifying leader or firmly established tenants, the Southern Poverty Law Center, aside, I have issues with them, but... Be that as it may, they have some interesting information on this. The Southern Poverty Law Center estimates that there are over 300,000 citizens in America today. I think that number is a hell of a lot higher. Um, I think there's sovereign citizens that call themselves that, and I think there's people who don't believe you need a driver's license, who don't think you have to pay taxes. I think that if you really got a flavor of how many people are are buying into this stuff, hook, line, and sinker, I think you're going to be into the seven figures. I really do. So... Although this number has been called into question, like I just did just now, the fact remains that thousands of adherents exist. Most often, sovereign citizens can contest the United States jurisdiction over them as federal defendants because they have not consented to that jurisdiction. In pursuing their rights, sovereign citizens engage in paper terrorism, which includes the filing of false liens against government officials and a multitude of other civil claims based on abstract violations of the Uniform Commercial Code, the UCC. These tactics impose tremendous hardship on civil servants, both in terms of monetary expenditures and staff psychological stress. Um, you know, agorist attorney aside, these are humans. These are people like your court clerks, your court reporters. These are just people trying to make money and pay their bills. Um, it is messed up to put them through this. So moving on. Sometimes conflicts between sovereign citizens and the government end in bloodshed. The 2010 West Memphis police shooting involving Jerry and Joseph Kane is but one gruesome example of the sovereign citizen philosophy escalating to violence. Due to increasing attacks, the FBI has classified the movement as a domestic terrorist threat, finding that members commit murder and physical assault, threaten judges, law enforcement professionals, and government personnel, impersonate police officers and diplomats, use fake currency, passports, license plates, and driver's licenses, and engineer various white-collar scams. Noting a significant shift, the FBI's counterterrorism analysis section believes that some sovereign citizens are moving from reacting to law enforcement scrutiny to targeting police officers, indicating an increased interest in harassing and intimidating police that may lead to potentially hostile confrontations. In fact, in a recent comprehensive survey of law enforcement agencies, law enforcement officers perceived sovereign c- citizens to be a more serious threat than Islamic extremists. Okay, you guys are going to disagree with this, so, so let's talk about that.